footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening, and welcome to your nightmares. And another episode of your favorite horror storytelling podcast, Dark Softly Tales. This is your host, Mav, and happy October, everyone. You know the guy's voice you hear at the end of the episodes who does the promo for my books? That is my son, Thor. Doesn't he have a great voice? He's single, ladies. (laughs) He's going to hate Anyway, he was the one who dared me a few years back to write a story with the title 98 Ways to Skin a Clown. I've never been one to back down to a challenge, so I took him up on it. The main character in this story is very loosely based on a real-life fan named Thomas, who won a contest I was holding when I wrote the Girl Clown Hatchet series. His character, named Thomas Slade, is amazing. Just like the real-life Thomas, who is a veteran. But the real Thomas told me he wanted to be a villain too, not just a hero. Between the title and his input, I put together this story, which is absolutely perfect for his character and the overall story of the Girl Clown Hatchet series. 98 Ways to Skin a Clown is my very first audiobook. Well, more like an audio story. I actually narrated this before the podcast and before I had all this experience, so I knew a little less what I was doing, but I think it's still pretty great. The story runs about about an hour and a half long, and you'll get the first chapter here tonight. Listen to the rest of the story by tapping on the link in the show notes or by going to my empire site, which is darksoftlytales.com, tapping on the shop link in the menu, then audiobooks. At the checkout, type in the word October down in the promo code area for a few bucks off the regular price just for my listeners. Oh, and I want to quickly mention that Dark Softly Tales was number 34 in Spain for the Apple Podcast drama this past week. Thank you, Spain. So happy to have you a part of the Dark Softly Tales community. Also, a special shout out to all the new listeners in India and the Philippines. You all are amazing. I love you guys. I just want to say thank you so much to everyone for continuing to support Dark Softly Tales podcast. Every time you rate or review the podcast, it gives us a boost to keep going and growing. Speaking of which, Dark Softly Tales has opened up to fiction stories now. If you have a dark, scary story, I want to read it, and everyone else wants to listen to it. I would love stories or urban legends from all countries. Check out my guidelines at my Empire site at darksoftlytales.com slash submission dash guidelines. And you can find that link in the show notes too, of course. And now, clowns, 
Some say they are their own species entirely. And you know, in a way, they are. The clown archetype is ancient. And honestly, I believe that we as humans have a lingering DNA memory of clowns, jesters, tricksters, muses, mavericks, passed down through the centuries. And of course, in modern culture, particular with John Wayne Gacy and Pennywise the Clown, recent years, uh, we've had clowns haunting dark alleys late at night. And that's kind of changed our view of the clown. And as I guess you'd say the shadow side of the clown is what we've seen. Um, but are they dangerous? Can they be trusted? I know you guys are all yelling. <laughs> no, they can't be trusted. I'm saying all this because I want to explore who is behind the mask. Are they always evil? Could they be innocent? Maybe a little bit of both. And I think you'll find when you truly explore the clown archetype, that it's a little bit of both. And it might hit home to who you are closer than you may realize. I understand these are scary concepts I'm bringing up here, but don't worry. I've got your back. There's nothing to be afraid of, is there? Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. Ninety-eight ways to skin a clown. A girl clown hatchet short story. Written and narrated by Mav Sky. Chapter 1 Mocking, torture, skinning, cannibalism. Those aren't the words most people have in their past. I'm not saying that I judge you if you do, because I know that things committed in a pack or a crowd is usually instigated by one sicko, a leader, and the others, carried up in the moment, follow. But that's if you have a conscience. That is, if you feel bad when you do something that hurts another person or an animal. I can tell you in full confidence that isn't the case with Thomas Slade or his old biker gang. I know Thomas. He was a good kid. But those fellas he took to hanging around with, they were no good. No good at all. But like I said, I'm not here to judge. I've made my own mistakes. Some since I've been older. A lot I made when I was younger. I did things I wouldn't care to share with you. And, even if I did, you'd probably laugh it off and say, Oh, Diana, that wasn't so bad. But all things considered, when you hurt someone, you hurt someone. And it doesn't matter if you broke their heart or peeled the living skin right off them. I'm not a violent person, but I do write stories of people who do violent things. Why? Oh, I don't know. I think sometimes, living in the age of TV dinners, Netflix, drone-delivered groceries, and the government handing out birth control and cell phones, we've lost touch with our visceral sides, our praying nature, 
And it's good to remember who we are and why we do the things that we do. Or even better, why we don't do them. I'm going to tell you about a young fella by the name of Thomas Slade. You might have heard about him in the local paper. He was caught up in the clown apocalypse. That's what they called it in this Seattle Times. The newspaper sold the most copies that weekend since 9-11. I want you to forget what you know about Thomas and come back with me to 2008, when the unemployment rate was lowest it had been in decades. George Bush was handing out stimulus packages of 800 bucks a person. It was a presidential election year, and Yes We Can was on every TV station and on the lips of roughly one-third of the residents of the U.S., a deadly tornado outbreak whipped through the southern United States, killing 58 people, the deadliest of 23 years. David Cook won American Idol that year. Do you remember that? I do. I voted for him. 2008 was also the year that young Thomas Slade murdered his own uncle Damien with his very hands. Thomas never knew his dad. His mother, Regina, worked as a secretary at an attorney's office. She worked long hours, even on holidays. Her deadbeat brother, Damien, sometimes lived with them, sometimes not. He had a troubled life, spent a good portion of his youth in federal prison, couldn't keep a job. He'd deal drugs, snort drugs, until he landed in a hospital. Then, Regina would take him home, and Damien would promise to look out for Thomas. But as with all addicts, It was the other way around. Thomas took after his mother. He was a straight-up honest kid. He received good grades at school and was kind and quiet, kept to himself. And also like his mother, he let everyone walk all over him. His uncle Damien often conducted business at their home and even forced Thomas to hook up his friends at school with his drugs. Despite this, Thomas still made dinner for his uncle He put out his uncle's lit cigarettes when Damien fell asleep late at night in the easy chair and cleaned up the empty beer cans before his mother would get home. But on the night she stayed at her boyfriend's, Thomas still cleaned up his uncle's mess and kept the house in order. It was the one thing within his control. When his uncle left with a motorcycle gang, often months at a time, there was a brief lull in Thomas's life and he could relax, listen to music, and even meet his friends down at the local Dairy Queen, where they'd hang until the manager kicked them out. And then they'd go to the town park and toss around a ball. His uncle had been gone for almost a whole year, a record. Thomas was driving now and had his first girlfriend. His mother's hours slowed at the office, and it felt like the world was normal for once. But all of that normalcy was thrown out in a single night. His mother was in an accident, and they wouldn't let Thomas see her at the hospital. Damien happened to roll into town that very night. Thomas had heard all the motorcycles pull up, and when Damien entered the house alone, Thomas had a very, very bad feeling. His uncle swung open his bedroom door and flipped on the light. He proclaimed the hospital had called and that his mother had died leaving Thomas in his care. He told Thomas to get dressed and meet him outside. Thomas did so, and when he walked out the door, he immediately found himself spotlighted by about 50 motorcycle headlights. One by one, their engines turned on, and Damien yelled from the driveway, Get on, boy. I ain't got all day. 
Thomas, with only a mixtape he'd made for his girlfriend in his pocket, obeyed his uncle. He hopped on the back of the bike. His uncle handed him a helmet, and before he could finish buckling the strap under his chin, they were racing down the road, leaving car alarms and screaming babies in their mists. Thomas never saw home again. He never had the chance to put his mother to rest. He learned later that his uncle picking him up was part of the gang initiation process. He got a badge on his jacket for bringing a new member into the gang. And Thomas learned that he was at the bottom of the scum pile. But it didn't bother him much. He knew to keep his mouth closed when the other men told their tales and drank. He kept quiet when Otis shot a random teen on the street because the kid reminded him of his fool brother. He kept quiet when men gang-banged a woman, walking home late at night after work. His uncle had urged him to join in the fun, but Thomas politely refused and tried his best to block out the woman's screams. He'd think about the mixtape he'd always kept on his person. He thought about the songs he'd put on there, and that kept him from losing it. But later, it would be the reason why he'd kill his uncle. Thomas read the paper one morning to find his mother's name on a missing airplane flight. He confronted his uncle Damien on it, and it was learned that his mother hadn't died in the hospital the night of the car accident. His uncle had lied because he needed to find someone to join the gang if he wanted to be accepted. Thomas killed his uncle that day. Wolf, the gang leader who was not fond of Damien, gave Thomas his uncle's vest with a night devil's badge and his uncle's bike, And that's where Thomas stayed. He was a murderer now, and the gang was his family. Thomas knew to keep his head down and thoughts to himself. He did as he was ordered and became a reliable drug and illegal arms runner for the Night Devils. He was trustworthy and quiet and quick. And this was why on a late September night, when most teens were settling into a routine of school and looking forward to the quickly approaching county fair, that the Night Devils leader... Wolf pulled Thomas aside and asked him to make a different kind of run. You folks need to understand, Wolf was no ordinary fellow. He was a beast of a man and wore an eye patch like a grisly, weather-worn pirate. He was tall and wide, and I wouldn't be surprised if every inch of his body contained a tattoo. But his favorite worn leather jacket covered most of those. On hot summer nights, when he did take off his jacket... The one tattoo that stood out was the pink footprint that said, Anastasia, Daddy's Little Princess, born March 30th, 1992. For all of Wolf's faults, he loved his baby girl. There was never any doubt about that. Anastasia lived with her mother in a suburb near Spindler, Washington. It was her 17th birthday, so the bikers created chaos at a local bar while Wolf and Thomas went to Anastasia's birthday party. Anastasia rocked platinum blonde hair. She had smoky cat eyes, wore extension lashes, and smothered her face in orange fake and bake foundation. Her lipstick was so red and glossy that Thomas thought it was a real possibility that if she were to get lost in the wilderness, she could SOS a helicopter with the luster of her glossy lips. Anastasia was the kind of girl Thomas had seen in a billion magazines on the gas station shelves. She wore a black see-through sweater with neon pink push-up bras and low-riding ripped jeans. Thomas didn't care for her, nor for her friends. 
But it wasn't because of her shallow appearance. It was because she forced herself to be happy. Thomas spotted false emotions like a hawk. As a drug and gun runner, he had to if he wanted to survive. Anastasia acted badass, but in the end, she was trying to earn her mother and father's affections through forcing herself to be something she wasn't. Her mother constantly harped on Anastasia. Stop saying those swear words. Finish your dinner. You don't eat enough. Did you hang enough balloons? Don't you think those jeans are a little too tight? Have you put on weight? Maybe eat a small slice of cake. I see a pimple. Maybe you need to go put on more foundation to cover that up. Are your friends on drugs? Why won't they stop giggling? Despite it all, Thomas found himself physically attracted to Anastasia and a bit envious of her lifestyle. Wolf noticed this too, and it was then that Thomas realized that had been the reason Wolf had wanted Thomas to tag along. Wolf wanted Thomas to date his daughter. But Anastasia would have none of that. She pretended not to notice Thomas and instead whispered with her friends who pointed and laughed at him. Thomas was used to being treated like this by now and shrugged it off. He ate dinner politely and later did not refuse a slice of cake. After presents were opened, Oh my God, Daddy, it's the new Mustang model I wanted. The girls settled into the home theater to watch Legally Blonde for the hundredth time. Wolf excused himself and Thomas. Instead of driving their bikes back to the bar, Wolf led him off the highway to Spindler. He rolled up to a little diner right off Main Street. Sarah's diner, to be exact. The place was pretty much empty. After Sarah had poured them coffee and left them alone in the warmth and peace of a late autumn night, Wolf asked, Why didn't you talk to her? Thomas sipped his coffee. I'm not her type. How would you know? Thomas knew better than to talk back. He shrugged. Wolf shook his head. I can't stand the thought of my baby girl dating some thug from nowhere. She needs someone who can keep his head on his shoulders when shit goes down. Someone like you. Surprised, Thomas set his coffee down. Don't give me that dumb deer staring to the headlights look. What did you think I brought you around for? Most guys, kids your age, you see, they'd talk to a girl if they liked her. They'd ask her for a number, take her out for a movie or to the bowling alley. Oh, I can see you've got something to say, boy. Spit it out. Thomas took another sip of his coffee before he replied, With all due respect, sir, I don't think I'm her type. Wolf shook his head. Of course you aren't. Not today. A month back, she was with this scrawny little fella. Had a case of the ass-crack saggies. Ass-crack saggies? You know, when they can't keep their bridges up? Mmm. Thomas nodded. He got jealous, thought she was texting other guys on her phone. He punched her in the face twice, almost broke her nose. Thomas wrapped his chilly hands around his coffee mug. Wow. When her mama called me up, I had that kid raped with a broomstick and his tongue cut out quicker than you can sing do re me Wolf's one good eye twitched and his face grew tight. He's still in the hospital. The waitress, short with a smock of red hair, gently interrupted while topping off their coffee. Can I get you boys some pie? Butterscotch special and make it right here in the kitchen. Wolf eyed Thomas. Thomas said, no thank you ma'am. 
Wolf pounded the table lightly with his fist, disturbing the hot brown liquid from their mugs. Here's the problem, son. If you want pie, you say it. You state your truth and you claim it. Because if you don't claim your truth, somebody else will claim it for you. Thomas recognized something right then and there, something he would remember years later when he finally got out of jail on parole. Wolf sat in the booth with a surprised Sarah standing over his shoulder with a coffee pot. It was at that moment that the woman's gentle spirit so overwhelmed Wolf's dark one that Thomas felt stunned and suddenly knew the light from the dark. This is what would haunt him for years to come. For when one sees for the first time that there is dark and there is light, the following question is, which side are you on? Sarah asked, so is that a yes or a no? Wolf turned his charming smile on the little woman. I think we will, Sarah. One slice for each. Oh, okay then. Sarah glanced at Thomas, and he quickly averted his eyes. After she left, Wolf unrolled his silverware from the napkin. There's qualities I like about you, kid. You're smart, quiet, and I can trust you to get a job done. But fuck it all if you aren't a little coward. I can tell you like Anastasia, and if you like something, you see... You man up and take it. You claim it. Wolf wrapped his hands around the butter knife and gripped it in his hand. That's why guys like you will never get the girl. And unfortunately for us both, that's why my daughter will continue to date guys that beat the crap out of her. And I'll have to keep beating the crap out of them. Thomas stared at the wooden table, his eyes cast down. He kept his hurt feelings inside. Even with his uncle Damien badgering him, cussing him out all those years, it had meant nothing because he didn't respect his uncle. But Wolf, old dark soul he may be, was the closest to anything he'd ever had that resembled a father. And when a father called his son a coward, well, either the boy bucks up or sinks down. There was no in between. Thomas wasn't hungry, but he ate the pie anyway. Wolf asked him when his birthday was, Thomas replied that he didn't remember, which was a half-truth. It was a half-truth because he did remember the month and the day, April Fool's. His mother always called him her April Fool's trick, but for the life of him, he couldn't remember what year, which meant truly he didn't know his own age. Well, your uncle told me, before you went all nuclear on him, that you were 17. That's how old my baby girl turned today. Thomas nodded. Sounded close enough. Wolf raised another bite of pie to his mouth. Your uncle was fools for brains, and the ugliest sucker to walk the face of the earth. His breath was always... Wolf paused, searching for the right word. Foul. You did us a damn favor taking him out. Though the boys sure do miss his card tricks, that was the one thing he could do well. I see that look on your face, and I know talking about him makes you uncomfortable. But one thing I've never asked you, never felt it was appropriate till now. Why'd you do it? Thomas finished chewing the last piece of pie off his plate. He lied. Wolf nodded. All right. What'd he lie about? Thomas squirmed in his seat and kept his eyes on the table. He told me my mother was dead. Then he kidnapped me and forced me to join the gang so he could get his badge. Wolf laughed. Not unkindly, but in a way that he thought Damien was dumber than a fuck. Well, he told me his sister was dead, too, if that makes any difference. 
We'd all heard about the car accident on the news at the bar. She was in a car accident, but she didn't die, not until years later. Thomas clenched his hand into a fist and raised his eyes to Wolf's. Remember Flight 606? That one that went missing over the Atlantic a while back? Uh-huh. She was on that flight. I saw her picture and name in the newspaper. My uncle lied. Well, hot damn, kid. Wolf shook his head. I'd have killed him, too. Guess we're both better off now. They remained silent while Wolf finished off his pie. He appeared to be thinking about something. A thought rolled around in his mind that Thomas could tell didn't sit easy with the old man. It was when they were getting on their hogs that Wolf told him, Follow me. There's one more place I want to take you. They rode down Main Street, which led out to the old highway that parallels Spindler River. At the sign that toted Spindler City Park, Wolf turned into the entrance and Thomas followed. They parked and dismounted. Thomas noted they were the only ones in the parking lot. Wolf waved at Thomas to follow, and they both set out onto a trail that led through the woods. The trees shivered in the light breeze, shedding their leaves as the darkness loomed overhead. Wolf stopped and pointed at a sign that showed a dog crapping with a circle and slash over it. You'll need to remember this sign, son, because when you get to the dog shit sign, you'll want 30 footsteps more on the trail, then turn to the left, like this. He stepped one foot in front of the other, counting to 30. Thomas paced after him, wondering what this was all about. 30 footsteps, one in front of the other, remember that, but for you, maybe 29 since your feet are bigger than mine. And then you go to the left. Wolf pointed left and walked straight off the trail into the brush. You see that tree up there? That big motherfucking maple? That's a landmark. When you get there, you turn right. They walked to the maple and turned right. Then you walk straight till you get to the hanging rope. Hanging rope? You'll see. After a quarter of a mile, marching through wet brush, branches, and leaves, they came to a cedar that had a rope with a noose hanging from it. Wolf pointed. That isn't ours, by the way. I think it was a suicide. Body just eventually fell down, and I guess the coyotes and bears got to it. Thomas said, If you don't mind me asking, why are we doing this? Shut up, kid, and pay attention. This is something you're going to need to know. Thomas felt a chill down his spine. He'd done many things for Wolf, highly illegal things, but he had a feeling what Wolf was going to ask him to do was far different than what he had done up to now. Wolf said, When you get to the hanging rope, you're going to hang a left like this. He turned, And you just keep going straight for a mile or so till you about step into it. Step into what? The old well where we stashed the bodies. Want to hear the rest of the story? Check out the show notes for links or head on over to Mav's Empire website at darksoftlytales.com. Tap on the shop link in the menu, then tap on the audiobooks. At the checkout, type the word October for a few bucks off the regular price. If you'd like to get lost in a long, spooky story this October, you're in luck. Mavsky has discounted her Girl Clown Hatchet series box set to $2.99 which is less than 75 cents a book. Head on over to Amazon and type in Mav Sky Girl Clown Hatchet Series Box Set, 
be sure to type the word box set. By supporting Mav, you are supporting Dark Softly Tales and helping to create a global community of dark hearts shining brightly.